Hey folks, it's Rebel Rouse and Rich Bergeron. It's the Tornado Tony Penico. And Psychic Tom Padgett. Crystal ball ready to go. You would have loved it last week, Tony, because we, we, I went, uh, yeah, this is Rabble Rouse and Rich Bergeron, and there was like a five-minute pause. <laughs> oh, like, for me? I was like, Tom! And he goes, oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this week's theme, I guess, is going to be um, shit I say that gets into the news all of a sudden. I yeah, just, sure. just posted an article about Floyd Mayweather going into MMA fighting uh, CM Punk, and of course now even Joe Rogan is talking about it. I guess I'm going to have to write a new article saying that he's leaving the UFC, like I did way back in the day. <laughs> Got me 86,000 hits in one day, and Joe Rogan actually had to deny it on his own blog years ago. <clears throat> but yeah, they're, they're talking about CM Punk, Floyd Mayweather everywhere. I was watching UFC tonight, and they're asking... Um, uh, Tyron Woodley about training Floyd Mayweather for MMA, and he's basically said, you know, don't think that I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm going to be getting some crisp boxing myself, so it'll work out. But they're basically, everybody's calling for it now. The thing that started as a joke, I mean, supposedly Mayweather's own camp was thinking about it, so kind of funny that I just mentioned it on one show and then six weeks later <laughs> and, and you know you know Rich, I haven't been able to find any any articles on that before you mentioned that I mean I'm not saying there aren't it was a couple it was a couple I, out there and the one the first one I read said it was Floyd Mayweather's camp that first thought of it and I was like well wait a second I think it was me but <laughs> they can take the credit I'll just say I knew but, uh, you know, the article that I wrote was talking about not only what Floyd could bring to the UFC by way of eyeballs and interest, but from his business sense and boxing connections. And then, you know, as soon as I write the article, there's a mention of Anthony Joshua in the article wanting to do MMA. Out comes an article that says $500 million contract is in the works for the UFC to acquire his boxing contract, Anthony Joshua, who has one year left apparently on his real contract with um, Eddie Hearn over there in the UK. <clears throat> um, but, you know, that would coincide perfectly with a Floyd Mayweather acquisition. But by acquisition, I mean they're not just going to sign him to fights. They're going to have to cut him a deal like Shark Tank style where he comes in and he says, you know, this is the percentage of the business I want. And it's not a Conor McGregor type deal where Conor McGregor just wants a piece of the action because he fights well. This is a piece of the action because he brings a lot to the table so that he can justify it. And, you know, he went out there and threw out a number of billion dollars that he could make in a contract with the UFC. But I don't think they're very far off from that. The more people talk about it and the more interest gets drummed up and the more businesses say well I'll give him a hundred million dollars to wear my business name on his shorts you know uh, so right. well, I, well I, gotta, I gotta say this Rich your article was really hard to pick apart <laughs> you laid out some good reasons Mayweather punk show debacle whatever you want to call it <laughs> should happen <laughs> I, I mean it was really hard to even come up with uh, some good counters to that. I mean, you really nailed it. 
Well, the funny thing is, I thought it was a joke in the beginning. I thought you guys would laugh at me when I suggested it in the first place. No. Well, no, uh, maybe Tony did. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did. I thought. I thought. It, I thought it was great. Weigh in on this, Tony. Who was rolled away? Um. Well, in other news, I'm going to just start another rumor that I hope to come true. The UFC is going to acquire WWE, and uh, Vince McMahon is going to wrestle uh, Dan Severn. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> For <laughs> <laughs> our, our legends match, <clears throat> no. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I really do think that Floyd would be great at mixed martial arts, and they have actually they've gone so overboard with the hype here about you know how well he's going to do that they've already put out odds in Las Vegas on a Conor McGregor versus Floyd match in the cage. Um, which will happen, I think, if he does sign a three or four fight deal. It will be in the third fight, probably, that he will fight McGregor. But the problem is he has to get those two fights to be successful before that. So he really has to turn some heads and do some things right and, and pack a lot of training into a little time. If yeah, anybody can I, do I mean, that, though. I, mean, I think I think. Uh, Go ahead, Tony. I said, easier said than done. Much oh, less yeah. when you're already 41. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I still think on the feet, he could he could learn how to check kicks. Uh, he could work on elbows. I think that would come natural for him. I think he'd be, he'd be okay in the clinch. But the ground is a big question mark. I mean, I know he has athleticism that's unworldly. But like you said, Tony, 41 is a steep hill to climb. And I don't yeah. know if he was going into tennis, golf, or whatever new activity. You know, uh, I have a lot of respect for Floyd's athleticism, but just I, I just think the ground would uh, would, would be a, a challenge. Not saying he can't do it, but the problem is they can't put him in against nobody. I mean, he's got to have that interest. Right. I mean, it's like Brock Lesnar really never had an easy time of it. He just he went kind of right to the top of the food chain, so I think Floyd would be in that same category, sink or swim. But Lesnar, at the same time, you say that Lesnar was in a different category because he's a heavyweight, and he basically towered over everybody he fought, and you can't really do that when you're at a fixed weight class with a fixed weight. You can't outweigh people so much and be that huge <laughs> compared to other people. So I think it'll be a little more even. I think he's in the right place with a champion himself, Tyron Woodley. Uh, now, I'm not expecting a miracle to happen. I don't think within a year's time we're going to be talking about Floyd Mayweather, the UFC champ or anything. But if you put him in with the right people and he does take it seriously and he puts everything that he put into boxing into it, it really I don't think it really will take much at the right weight class for him to just basically use takedown defense, throw a shitload of elbows, throw a lot of leg kicks on the outside so nobody goes to try to take him down. <clears throat> or if they do try to take him down, you know, they'll learn how to get out of it, you know. Lots of wizards, lots of uh, uh, using his experience with grappling in the boxing ring even, you know, to just tie up a guy's arms. <clears throat> and we know he knows how to elbow. 
We know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's done that in fights before, so. But remember, okay. at some point, he will be tested on the ground. Right, but I mean, he's the type of guy that's going to do that in training, though. He he's really going to give himself, and I I say that it's going to be December of this year because he put out the Paddy Power video where he said, you know, what are the odds? 2018 Floyd Mayweather MMA, and back then I think he was planning all this. Now it's it's official. He's already gone and applied for an MMA license. He's going to do this. Like he's he's put too much out there that's talked about doing this. And maybe in the back of his mind at the press conferences for the U.S. for the big uh, boxing match, in the back of his mind it was half a joke, but I think he's always been serious about it. Because if you remember, there's been a few times where he's been thrown into the MMA versus boxing debate. The last time, I believe, was Ronda Rousey. People were saying Ronda Rousey versus Floyd Mayweather in <laughs> the MMA match. Who would win? Uh, and you can just looking back now, it kind of seems laughable. But people were actually talking about would it, would it, would it, could it happen? Um, and then you you had this super fight that nobody thought was going to happen, even in the boxing area. Nobody thought McGregor was going to even go over there and be able to face Mayweather. And that happened. So I think Floyd just just cannot help be in the center of attention and wanting that to translate into hundreds of millions of dollars if it's possible. And it's like, you know, him, him and I get a lot in common. We like to say things in, in the hopes that they become true. <laughs> so I think it will happen. I just, a lot depends on PCM Punk, though. I mean, who are they going to put him up against? And, and can he really win an MMA fight? Uh, I think Floyd can, but it definitely has to be against the right people. And then McGregor versus Floyd and has to show a tremendous amount of improvement, but at the same time, look at, uh, you know, what is what is McGregor really doing? Is he really still training every day? You know, is he taking it easy since he got all his money? All right, Rich, well, if, if you were the matchmaker, would you, uh, and, and would you start Floyd against CM Punk? Do you think that's the ideal opponent? Well, the reason why nothing has been signed and nothing's set in stone is because we haven't seen CM Punk in his new and improved situation. So you have to keep the jury out until that happens, that fight. <clears throat> then you say, well, is he too good? <laughs> is he just good enough? Okay, now, now, now here's another question. What weight division would Floyd be at? Because in, in, uh, in boxing, he didn't really get too much above 147. I think the Canelo fight was a catch weight, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I thought the uh, Conor McGregor fight was a catchweight too. Yeah. All right. So that's going to put him either at one fifty-five or one forty-five. One fifty-five. One fifty-five. Well, all four boxing matches, uh, the catchweight uh, when he's fought heavier guys has always been one fifty, one forty-nine, or one fifty, and he was still usually weighing around. 
I don't know. I don't watch pro wrestling, but I don't know. I, I'm assuming CM Punk was a lot bigger when he was in the WWE. Right? Yeah. Oh, sure he was. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom. If if he can get down to 170, right, without too much trouble, you put 50 million dollars in front of him, he'll get down to 155. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, which leg would he have to cut off, I guess? You know? <laughs> Here you go, okay. It could be looking like a skeleton for $50 million, you know. I think he'll get there. Anyway. Uh, I do believe, though, this is the one thing in the entire universe that might have the potential to make Tony the Tornado Penacal an MMA fan. <laughs> oh. I don't know, though. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, right, Tony? That's right. <laughs> it's either that or it's going to be the biggest uh, laugh attack that Tony's ever going to experience when Floyd gets his butt whipped. <laughs> but so It's a big undertaking for Floyd, but you know what? It's that thing that he really needs more than people realize because think about how many people hate this guy. And have been waiting for him to do this just to watch him get his ass kicked in the cage. Because he has talked a lot on this subject. And, and you know, especially during those press conferences where he did say basically he was going to come back and whip Connor in the cage next. And, you know, it was that he did exchanges back and forth. Connor was saying a lot of mean stuff too. But in the back of his head, he probably really believed he could. And now he's going to try to do it. So I'm. I'm actually feeling more respect for him than I would have if he didn't try to do this. If he didn't try to back this up, because it's almost like you know how much people like Trump because he keeps saying you know backing up his campaign promises. <laughs> yeah. Floyd's doing the same thing. Good point. Because Floyd has nothing to prove. That's for sure. <laughs> but you know. At the same time, he wants to turn around his haters, and this was probably the best opportunity for him to do that because I don't oh, care absolutely. how many people hate this guy. If they see him come over to the MMA and start knocking people out, they will love him. <laughs> they will stop giving him shit for talking trash, and they'll get in his corner. And you'll see people that were flaming him yesterday patting him on the back. <laughs> The next day after he wins. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to happen. For real. <clears throat> but uh, McGregor is a dominating favorite, like I said, in a uh, UFC fight against Mayweather already. At negative 900. So $100 bet in a Connor victory would get the gambler just $11.11. Anyway, Anthony Joshua said he's going to box. Vinny Paz is back in the news again. I wish I did criminal law because I'd help him out and tell him uh, I'm at his service for legal <laughs> issues. Uh, poor guy, though. He just had some issues now, this time with his girlfriend. Uh, he received a one-year suspended sentence and one year of probation. But he said, after the case, nothing happened. I'm always innocent. <laughs> that was so. That was vintage, you know. Vintage Vinny, right there. And I'm always innocent. Yeah. 
55 years old. He pleaded no contest to a domestic simple assault charge. They had to, police had to force their way into his home uh, at about 3 a.m., called by a relative of his girlfriend. He was also ordered to stay away from the victim and undergo counseling, as well as undergo evaluations for mental health and substance abuse. Supposedly, the girlfriend barricaded herself inside a bathroom out of fear. When officers arrived, they said they found she had been assaulted with injuries to her face. She was taken from the home on a stretcher and placed in an ambulance. And alcohol may have been a factor, but Paz told reporters outside the court that he does not have a drinking problems, problem and uh, signed autograph fan, uh, autographs for fans as he left. That's a good look, right? That's always a good look. Coming out of jail and signing autographs. Uh, but as we know, he was just in the news for beating the crap out of a guy that accused him of stealing $16,000, including biting him. Good good move. Somebody steals your money, you have to, you know. Street fight. Poor Vinny. Hopefully he gets his shit straightened out. But, um,. Yeah, not doing so good with the law lately. And supposedly he didn't have a lawyer either. I read that in another article. So, he needs one if you're in the Rhode Island area. We got to get him back on the show before he goes to jail, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, Vinny. Troubled Vinny. Says he doesn't have a drinking problem. He's got no problem drinking at all. <laughs> Colby Covington is very happy camper. The Twitter troll of the universe. We talked about how he uh, has blasted Brazil at events and on social media. So, of course, uh, Fabricio Verdum getting knocked out the other night by Alexander Volkov was exactly Colby's cup of tea. <laughs> so, uh, he actually posted a Twitter of the guy on The Simpsons, the bully, that does the ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, Nelson Muntz. Uh, so, he put that up on Twitter as a little extra jab. Do so you want to put a uh, boomerang up on his account? <laughs> <laughs> that had to be something out of the Three Stooges. I had just heard that the other day. Actually, I hadn't read that before, but yeah, yeah. Colby Covington actually got hit with a boomerang. <laughs> by, I didn't know those things work. Yeah. I guess, well, I guess they do. By Verdum, <laughs> and I guess Verdum throws a boomerang better than he throws a punch because he. <laughs> I wonder how he learned the boomerang. There. I mean, I, well, I guess you could probably buy them. Yeah. Go on Amazon, get a boomerang, and practice. <laughs> I've used one before. I'll you when it happened. I've used one before. I got like a real wooden one, and they're actually very hard to master. It doesn't, well, doesn't it's not like a frisbee. So, but I don't think it was like a crocodile Dundee thing where he, he hit him from halfway down the street. I think he grabbed it in his hand and just whacked him with it like a hammer. Probably how it happened. <laughs> Although, if it did, like, skip off his head and come back to him, that would be a cool movie scene. <laughs> anyway. 
We also got some um, UFC, the UFC card to talk about. Um, and funny story about boxing and MMA still on that same vein with Mayweather crossing over. Another recent crossover is retiring from both boxing and MMA. Uh, which is a little bit of a surprise. Heather Hardy just fought her and a Julaton, the Hurricane, Tony's cousin, Tony's female cousin <laughs> from Down Under, uh, Anna Julaton, taking their uh, hat out of the game. She's retiring. And uh, this is kind of weird because she's doing it right before her and Heather are supposed to box as part of this rivalry. They're supposed to go in the cage first, Heather beat her in the cage, and now Anna is saying she's just retiring from fighting altogether. She's just 37 years old, competed last February 16th. Uh, it was a unanimous verdict, but it was pretty close. Um, and then she just said uh, she spoke to her promoter and advisor and told them it was time for her to move on from fighting. Uh, thanks Scott Coker, thanked her boxing promoter, Lou DiBella, and... Uh, Thanked Heather, and that was it. Started her boxing career back in November of 2007. Uh, she got the WBO World Super Featherweight title, beating Donna Biggers in December of 2009. Then uh, she transitioned to MMA under the One Championship banner in May 2014 with a knockout of Aya Saber, and then debuted for Bellator last October. Pretty crazy. 14, 4, and 3 as a pro boxer, and 2 and 4 as an MMA fighter. All done, though. Sometimes that's smart, though. You know, like, obviously, if she was going to be successful in MMA by this point with that success in boxing, then she probably should have a winning record. So maybe she just evaluated it that way. Why should I continue if I can't win fights? Even against another pro boxer who made the transition, you know? So... Probably had a lot to do with it, but best of luck to her and whatever she decides to do next, for sure. So we go to last Saturday's boxing matches. We'll go over those before we get to the uh, UFC stuff. And we got one more story on the boxing front about Canelo and GGG. That fight, that fight could be ugly. Canelo, uh, I mean, uh, Triple G's really out of character. Normally, he's a gentleman, and he just won't let go of this. I mean, every time I log on it, there's like four or five different interviews from him complaining about drug testing. Or Canelo, um, you know, the tainted meat. Right. Tainted meat. Clenbuterol. Well, you know, I don't know if you guys got that. You remember that email I sent? That was the, the MyOX bull. <laughs> That's what they sent me, Red. Yeah, what a scam that was a few years ago. This guy's made a lot of money on it. That stuff was useless. It's like 50 some dollars for a container of it. Yeah, I just bought some the other day. I'm huge now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you bought any. I don't think anyone's selling it anymore. Right. You know, I... Because that kind of got me on a kick looking around at every place. Ah, oh, temporarily out of stock. Yeah, out of I stock. Went, no I went to the uh, the cattle um, the cattle show where they get ribbons for being muscular, and I asked them what they give the cow and the bulls, and I told them to give them to me. Now I'm ready to fight Brock next week. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, you know, I always said it's not a coincidence that Brock Lesnar is that huge and grew up on a cattle farm. And that's not a coincidence. I don't even care if he did not ever willingly ingest steroids. If those cows on that farm were eating a lot of steroids and their piss got into the groundwater and he's drinking the water. I mean, there's somehow he got whatever their good shit they were giving those cows. Well, he's eating the meat, too, you know? So I think that had something to do with his physique, for sure. I don't think you can rule that out. I mean, you look at a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who admittedly took four steroids to get that huge. But remember, back in the 70s, it was a lot less. It wasn't chemical warfare like it is today. Body it took a lot less back then. Yeah. So over in uh, France, we're going to lead off the boxing schedule with a couple undefeated guys. Somebody's always got to go. One of Tom's favorite segments. Yep. Cru- Cruiserweights. Arsene Goulamirian. He is 22-0. Fighting Ryad Murphy, who's 24-0. For the vacant WBA World Cruiserweight title. Co-main event. Super welterweights. For the interim WBA World Super Welterweight title, Michael Soro, he is 31-2 and two with one draw, fighting John Vera, who's 18-0. and 0. And nothing crazy on the rest of the card, but uh, possibly... No, no, no Jesus fight, huh? No Jesus fight on this card, but possibly a mismatch of the week. Ah, uh, okay, so possibly. we, we got to get our categories. All super Welterweights here. It's always overseas for the mismatch of the week, but... This one coming all the way from France. Dylan Charrett, he is 15-0 and at Super Welterweight. Fighting Kevin Bertogal, who is 6-24-3. Six wins, 24 losses. Okay, so that's two categories. Now we need most losses, most lopsided record of the week. We need to get that, too. This guy's honorable mention, but we can do better, Rich. I know we can. And then we got a guy who's 4-0, Muhammad Rabi, on this card, fighting Giuseppe Lori, who is 56-19. and 19. That's always nice. <laughs> Four Ooh. fights against 80. <laughs> That's like an old record. school record. Yeah. 56-19. Yeah. He's lost a few in his recent fights, but I've got a couple wins in his last two. This is... Uh, this is this coming Saturday, right? I thought I was going to go over results, but I guess we're moving ahead. Carl Marat fighting this weekend at light heavyweight over in Hamburg, Germany. He's 31-3-1, fighting Travis Reeves, who is 15-2-2. That one's for the vacant IBO World Light Heavyweight title. Uh, also, super middleweight's Tyrone, Tyron Zug, who is 21-0-1, fighting Isaac Ekpo, who is 32-3. That one's for the WBA World Super Middleweight title. And then we got uh, Sebastian Formella, 17-0, fighting Angelo Frank, who's 13-1. Got a title there. Vacant International Boxing Organization Intercontinental Super Welterweight title. And the vacant WBO European Super Welterweight title. And if that's not enough titles, we got one more at heavyweight. Ali Iren Demarizan, 7-0, fighting Rod Rashid, who's 15-3, for the vacant WBO European heavyweight title. 
Hey, that's another category. The, the most obscure titles. Like we had, didn't we have two uh, Latino guys fighting for the Asian title or yeah. two Asians fighting for the Latino title? The one fight was two Australians in Australia for the Oriental title. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that's a whole new category. I, I, let me add that to my notes here. Okay, we got it. Keep score. Well, there's a pretty decent main event in Ghana, and there's a pretty obscure title on the line in the regular card. But the main event is Super Featherweights, undefeated two guys, uh, Oluwasun Joshua Wahab, he's 15-0, fighting Bright Ayala, 14-0. Bright like the light. That's how you spell his first name. What a cool name. Uh, this one's for the vacant World Boxing Association Pan-African Super Featherweight title. But that's not the craziest title. Not really. Well, it's not really crazy, but... Felix Ajorm. Ajorm. 8-1-1 one, one, fighting Michael Ansa, who's 13-8-2 for the interim Ghanaian super featherweight title. Interim? Wow. Yeah. Interim. Yeah. And you got your Kramer fight of the week in Hungary. Okay. <laughs> Peter Kramer, 7-0, and fighting Daniel Arangelovic, who is 3-2 uh, and two for the vacant Universal Boxing Organization European middleweight title. <laughs> you know it's got to be a long one when it's guys with that limited kind of a record. <laughs> a UBO. That's your most obscure title of the week. It's got to be. And it's the main event. You, you invented it. There it is. That's what happens when you say shit on our show. It happens, Tom. <laughs> it happens. <clears throat> All right. Uh, big one. In Zaragoza, Mexico. Zaragoza. Zaragoza. I don't know how I'm pronouncing that, but hopefully I'm doing a good job. Roberto Ortiz, 35-2-2, two two, fighting Alejandro Davila, who is 16-0-2 oh in the main event. And then we have Francisco Rodriguez Jr. at flyweight, 26-4-1, fighting Pablo Carrillo, who is 22-5-1. These are all Saturday, by the way. That one's for the vacant World Boxing Council Latino Silver Flyweight title. It's close. Okay. Close. Not quite the best, though, I don't think. Well, we're racking up the title fights this weekend, huh? Yep. Uh, another one in Mexico. Uh, female, minimum weight. Minimum weight main event. When have you ever seen that? Annabelle Ortiz, 26-3, and three, fighting Deborah Rangifo, who is 10-4 for the World Boxing Association World Female Minimum Weight title. And it's the only fight on the card so far, anyway. All the other fights must be illegal. <laughs> or TBAs. TBAs. we got to start making calls. Um, and all, this is crazy. It's it, Only in Mexico do we not only have one Jesus fight of the week, we have three Jesuses on the same card. <laughs> oh, well. Well, we are running the table tonight. And it's Obscure one... titles. One, wow. One might be mismatch of the week, too. we got... Salvador Briseno, 13-3 against the Jesus who's going to need a real miracle. Jesus Alberto Morales, who is 3-14. And, <laughs> and then we got another talented Jesus, Jesus Joregui, who is 6-0-2, fighting Ronaldo Briseno, who is 3-0-1 at super featherweight. The main event's at lightweight, by the way, if I didn't mention it. 
Then we've got uh, bottom of the card, 0-4, uh, Jose De Jesus Hernandez. Day Jesus. He's, he's not a night Jesus. He's a day Jesus. <laughs> he's 0-4 uh, fighting Cesar Ramos, who is 1-0 at super lightweight. He's not a full-fledged Jesus. He's just a day Jesus. <laughs> uh, we got a fight over in Poland. Nothing too crazy there. It's a pretty interesting one, though. Sergei Hulikovic. In the last fight of the on the card, he's 43-9 fighting a guy, Michael Zeraminski, who's 13-3-1 at welterweight. Not the main event. Oh, uh, we got some fights in Russia. Andre Sorokin, 14-0, fighting Ryan Ford, 14-1, for the WBA Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. Uh, there's a great name for a fighter. Good luck, Marema. He is 21-1, <laughs> fighting David Agadzanian, who is 12-0, uh, for the World WBO Youth Featherweight title. <clears throat> and we got... This is crazy. You know, these guys, this is a guy whose record you'd think he'd be fighting for a world title. Welterweights, uh, Konstantin Ponomarev. He's 32-0. Fighting Pavel Mamontov, who's 12-6-2. And, and guess what they're fighting for? The vacant <laughs> Russia welterweight title. So he must only fight in Russia, this Ponomarev. All 32 wins, mismatches of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so that's crazy. I think he'd have a world title by now. This one could be a mismatch of the week. In Serbia, we've got a uh, crazy title, too. We'll mention in a minute. But Cruiserweights, Hussein Sankara. He's 10-0, fighting Milos Dovidan, who is 2-36. He takes dives because his last name is D-O-V-E-D-A-N. <laughs> Dove. He dove. No, uh, the main event is Ninad Pagonis, 8-0, fighting Nikola Milacic, who's 17-1. Pagonis, 8-0, for the vacant International Boxing Organization International Cruiserweight title. Very obscure. And then probably the biggest one this week is in the UK. Biggest card. Um... Uh, <clears throat> We've got the World Boxing Council silver heavyweight title on the line between Dylan White, 22-1, and, and Lucas Brown, 25-0. That should be a decent fight. And that's an Eddie Hearn fight, too. So uh, we'll have to, have to watch him, see what other fighters that Dana White wants to steal from him. <laughs> uh, Co-main event there, Lewis Ritson, 14-0, and, and Scott Cardle, 22-1-1 and for uh, the BBB of C British lightweight title. And we got light heavyweights Frank Buglioni, 21 and 2 with one draw, fighting Callum Johnson, who's 16 and 0, for the BBB of C British light heavyweight title. And uh, tough, tough guy. Uh, you always got to watch out for him. He pops up all the time, every week on almost every card. TBA, fighting Derek Chisora, 27 and 8. You ever fought TBA, Tony? Um. Every time I had a TBA, so they, they ended up putting some somebody like two weight classes above me there. Oh, he's always ducking you. <laughs> what an asshole! 
TBA. It sucks. Uh, let's see what else we got. Another one in the UK. Andrew Robinson, middleweight, 20 and 3 with one draw, fighting Nikki Jenman, 29 and 1. 20 wins with 9 losses, one draw. That one's for the vacant IBO Continental middleweight title. Nothing too crazy on the rest of that card. But uh, here's not quite a mismatch of the week, but your your week's biggest loser, Carl Wiggins over in the UK, super welterweight, ten and two. His opponent is Kevin McCauley. He has fifteen wins, one hundred and sixty-two losses. Ding ding ding! There it is. We, we ran the table this week, gentlemen. We hit every category. One sixty-two. How many draws? How many draws? Five. <laughs> Twelve. Twelve draws. Twelve draws. Wow. Twelve draws. <laughs> okay. Wow. So it's fifteen wins, one sixty-two losses, and twelve draws. And he lost the fight. No, he's gonna lose the fight. But that's got to go to uh, results now. Anyway, speaking of lost the fight. Uh, we had a fight card over in Australia with some titles on the line in the main event. Super lightweights, Dara Foley got the win, 14-2 and two going in, so he goes to 15-2. and two. Stephen Wilcox was his opponent, falls to 18-3. and three. That one was for the WBA-NABA super lightweight title and the WBA-Oceania super lightweight title. That was probably last week's most obscure title. Uh, Sam Solomon and Wes Capper. Remember we were talking about that last week in Victoria, Australia? Yep. Sam got a draw. Good for him. Drawed against uh, Wes Capper, 19-2. and 45-14-0 going in. So uh, he gets his first draw of his career. His O had to go. So does Wes Capper. Came in at 19-2. and So somebody's O went. And he got a title, I guess. So, well, I guess they have to fight again to get the title. But the vacant International Boxing Federation International Middleweight title was on the line there. Crazy stuff. Also on that card, uh, Chernika Johnson stayed undefeated against Rugnafa Kukrachang. Definitely butchering that. Uh, she's got the Women's International Boxing Association World Bantamweight title and the WBA Oceania Female Bantamweight title. So go with it. It was all last Saturday, by the way. And I know we had a big fight in Boston, St. Patrick's Day fight. We posted uh, the results of on our blog. Steve Claggett had a... Uh, Halfway decent performance. I uh, did get a knockdown, but just couldn't couldn't hold off his uh, advancing opponent, and uh, ended up losing by unanimous decision. But we'll get to that when it comes up. Here's one from Malaysia we talked about last week. Welterweight Kudratilo Abdu Kakarov, who is 13 and 0 going into this one. He improves to 14 and 0 against Laszlo Toth, who came in at 25 3 and 1. For Fighting for the World Boxing Council Silver Welterweight title there. And this guy I talked about last week had the great name for boxing, Eric Des Troyer, who is 
Now yeah. 12, 14, and 1. Beat up on Mohammed Shayran, who is 6 and 2 now. That was for the World Boxing Council. Asian Boxing Council, silver featherweight title. <sighs> Need a glass of water after that one. <clears throat> that was a workout. All right. What else happened last week? Jamie Munguia stays undefeated down in Mexico against Johnny Navarrete. Munguia gets his 28th win. Navarrete takes his 12th loss to go with 31 wins and two draws. Christian Mijares notched another win in the Battle of Legends last week down in Quintana Roo, Mexico. At lightweight, Christian Mijares came in at 58-8-2. Trying to get to that 60th win. He got one step closer to 59. Against Fernando David Saucedo, who came in at 61-7-3. So, it was one of, the, one of the wildest best records against best records I've ever seen. Crazy. Probably should look up that fight. Bet it was a good one. <clears throat> anyway. Let's see what else we had last week. Well, the mismatch of the last week uh, basically proved everybody wrong. We talked about this one last week, too, I believe. Uh, Bakir Ahmedov was going in at 2-0, and fighting for a title. The World Boxing Association Intercontinental Super Lightweight title against Ricky Sismundo, who came in at 33-10-3. And, and the 2-0 and guy beat him. What do you know? Proves to 3-0 and at the Super Lightweight. And the main event there was uh, Georgi Chalakshev, who is 13-1-1 going in, beats uh, Zoltan Zabo, who is 21-10 going in. Let's see. Crazy and there it is. Danny O'Connor improves to 30 wins, 3 losses, and a... Uh, Fight at the House of Blues there. His opponent, Steve Claggett, falls to 26-5 and five with one draw. That one was for the World Boxing Council International Silver Super Lightweight title. And nothing too crazy. Mike Oliver also was on that card. He actually lost to TJ Doheny, who stays undefeated at 19-0 now. Oliver falls to 26-8-1. and one. Used to be our buddy John Scully's fighter there, but he is uh, no longer training him, as far as I know. So, maybe he needs to get back with him. Anyway. Jason Sanchez down there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Got a big win. Improves to 12-0 at lightweight over German Moraz. 58-47 losses now. And two draws is German's record. It's a crazy one. And uh, we had a big one at Madison Square Garden last week. A lot of big fights. Jose Carlos Ramirez won the main event. Stays uh, undefeated. Goes to 22-0 against Amir Imam. Falls to 21-2. That one was for the WBC World Super Lightweight title, which was vacant. So that goes to Jose now. And then... Uh, Alexander Gvodzik at light heavyweight also stays undefeated. He goes up to 15-0. and 0. 
He beat up Mady Amar, who was 34-5-2. That was for the interim WBC World Light Heavyweight title. And we had lightweights not fighting for a title, but with records that deserve one. Antonio Lozada Jr., 38-2, fighting Felix Ferdejo. Got the win. 23-0 is for Felix going in. He falls to 23-1. And, and uh, Christopher Diaz, 22-0, beat Braulio Rodriguez, 19-2 for the World Boxing Organization NABO Super Featherweight title. And that's pretty much it for the good stuff on that one. That's the good stuff for the week there. So that's your boxing stuff. Of course, at the end of the month, we got the big heavyweight fight, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. I don't think it's going to be too much of a struggle for Anthony. But uh, I don't know much about Parker. I mean, I know he's undefeated. He's like something like 24 and 0, 18 knockouts, along those lines. Um, you know, you have Joshua here, who is right now one of the cream of the crop. You know? So. And here's a good segue into UFC. There's a couple heavyweights that he might end up facing in his debut. If he does decide to not just do boxing, but also do UFC. Alexander Volkov and Fabricio Verdum had a great fight the other night over in London. Well, it was great for Alexander, not so much for Fabricio, but... Alexander uh, had a, kind of a puzzling approach to me. I thought he could have got Fabricio out of there a lot earlier, and he got, took a lot of hits to do the damage that he did. Had a very hands-low uh, attack, basically. And he made it work because he did throw in some kicks here and there and uh, some very dynamic knees. I think he hit him with one beautiful flying knee. Uh, but this is actually the only fight I watched on this card. Because I watched it after the fact. It was on. Yeah, and, and, and I guess he's demanding a title shot in Russia. Hmm. It'd be interesting. I don't think he's ready for Stipe. Good luck with that. No, I don't think he's ready for Stipe at all. Fabricio was very slow, very plodding. Um, the thing that blew my mind is Fabricio trying to lure people to the ground. Like... Like, he's a lawyer arguing a case to these people, trying to get them to come down to the ground with him. And, and they just laugh and let him stand up again. <laughs> but at the third, fourth opportunity, when your nose is busted and he's kicked your ass into oblivion, you're still sitting there grabbing his foot, saying, come on down here with me, because I want to <laughs> submit you? I mean, it starts to look pathetic. It almost starts to look to me like Pat Barry hugging Krokop. In the middle of the cage six times in their fight. Yeah, I remember that. You know, the the, the word on uh, Verdum, uh, Usada keeps coming out. They look at his dad's body. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he never really was the bodybuilder type. But whatever it is, he just looks like maybe it's time to rethink things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking going into that one. But he did not look at And uh, Volkov was talking to him a lot towards the end there. You notice that? He was very frustrated. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I just seen the highlights, I, so I, I don't know. Well, I'll have to give you the link to the full fight, though. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty brutal. It was very bloody. Volkov got cut up a little bit. Fabricio got cut up and beaten up bad with busted eye and everything. 
Uh, and I did only just see the highlights of uh, Jan Blakowicz and Jimmy Manua, but that was a bloody fight as well. And Jan Blakowicz got that win by unanimous decision. We also had Tom Duquesnoy beating Terrian Ware by UD. Leon Edwards knocked out or TKO'd uh, Peter Sabata. And this is an interesting one because it came at the last second of the third round. Three-round fight. And uh, Leon Edwards has got to be related to Eves Edwards. I keep saying this. He looks just like him. Uh, I don't know if he's cousin or brother or what, but uh, I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, last second of the third round. And so that's rare enough. But we also had the third fight of the night, Paul Craig versus Magomed and Caleb, end in a submission triangle choke at what time? 4.59 of the third round, last second of the round again. Uh, and I've actually seen that live happen to a, uh, a UFC fighter fighting a local veteran in uh, Iowa. Uh, the kid, and it was a triangle choke, too, ironically. Uh, last second of the fight. And in this fight, the, the announcer was standing outside the cage at the time, counting down the last 10 seconds over the microphone. And I've never seen that done at any other fight card anywhere. You know, the most they do is the clang at boxing matches to let you know there's 10 seconds left. But to actually count it down at an MMA show, that's the only time I've ever seen that happen. And it just turned out to be so dramatic for that reason, because he's counting it down as the kid is getting choked out to the last second. And he didn't tap. He, he didn't tap. He just passed out. But I don't know how this one went down for Danny Henry. But hopefully it gets him a sure dog picture, because he's the only one in this card that didn't have one. So, good luck on that front. Uh, another fight, Charles Bird beating John Phillips by naked choke submission. Three minutes and 58 seconds into the first round. We had uh, Danny Roberts also beating Oliver Enkamp by knockout. Two minutes and 12 seconds into the second. Uh, oh, I said Danny Henry. He didn't get the last second win. He actually got a win over Hakeem Dewodu by technical submission guillotine choke. That was 39 seconds into the first round. It was Paul Craig that got the triangle choke at the last second. Whoops. And then Cajun Johnson in the second fight of the night beat Stephen Ray by split decision. And first fight of the night was a rear naked choke win for Dmitry Sosnovsky over Mark Godbeer. That was 4.29 into the second round. And a couple more things that I have before we go. Canelo and GGG. The debate is stirring up again. Um, Canelo's team is uh, still saying they're going to take whatever tests they have to to show that he uh, hasn't done this on purpose, but... Uh, Golovkin is fired up. He said, uh, Canelo's team are using these drugs and everybody's trying to pretend it's not happen happening. This guy, he knows. This is not his first day in boxing. He proves he gets benefits from everyone and he can get away with it. The commentators, commission, doping commission, this is a very bad business. It's not sport. Check him on a lie detector and then we can find out everything. <laughs> so. Jim, Jim Rowe was just screaming about that. He says, Canelo, don't eat the meat. You know it's tainted. Don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Triple G also was revealing his strategy uh, to keep Canelo from running. He says he's really going to fight him in close, which could be interesting because Canelo's a good infighter. 
I think we need to yeah. do uh, we we need to do ourselves a new YouTube video, and it's going to be a parody of the old Wendy's commercials, right? Where's the beef? <laughs> yeah, where's <well, laughs> that? So, so it's going to be can, it's going to be Canelo yeah. going to the going to the meat packing plant, right? <laughs> where's the beef no. when he opens one door and it's like a little veal calf, and then. <laughs> Where's the beef? And open the next door, and it's the jacked-up Mayo Bowl. <laughs> I don't. I really still don't. I mean, I laugh about it, but I still don't think that he uh, he's been doing this for a long time. I think if it was anything, he needs to make weight for this fight. He needs to be at an ideal weight. He wants to stay at that weight, and he might have willingly ate eat the, eaten the meat because he knows that. In trace amounts, it does work very well for that purpose, you know, getting lean muscle. Protein. Protein to your muscles, basically. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say he's innocent, but I'd like to see the hair test. I believe that's the only way you can do it. You lie detector ain't going to prove shit because anybody can lie through that and know the technique. And it's not admissible in court anyway. So... Maybe in other countries where uh, Golovkin fights in. <laughs> in the United States, it's not very effective. And it's not used a lot. But anyway. Um, Canelo has also been um, accused of doing it before this, too. Um, Golovkin said, before the first fight, I knew he was not clean. Have a look at the video. He used some pills. Somehow he knows it was pills that he was <laughs> It was pretty obvious when his muscles were all with traces of injections. I've known it for a long time. So that's kind of contradicting himself. First he says he's doing pills, then he says he sees injections all of his arms. So well, maybe he's saying he's doing both, I guess. It's that bad. But anyway. Um, the uh, Canelo camp says it is ridiculous as far as uh, GGG's complaints. They say he doesn't sound like a confident fighter. I guess he has a lot of insecurities. There is an investigation into the clenbuterol, and we are cooperating. When it is complete, all the facts will come out. Canelo is a clean fighter. The facts and statistics back it up. And so far, the fight's still on, November 5th. It's going to take a earth-shattering event for... A fight to get canceled. Have they uh, selected the judges yet? Uh, I don't know, but uh, Adelaide Bird, I don't think, is on the invite list. <laughs> I don't think she's being invited. I don't even think she's even allowed in the stadium. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. What could stop them? I mean, just as a big middle finger to Triple G. We have integrity in the Nevada State Athletic Commission, yeah. and she's an outstanding judge. What could, what could anyone well, say if, if they would put her back? I mean, I don't well, think there's any... They're going to let her be all three judges. <laughs> By herself. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I just... Unless there's something in the contract, the company's contract that would specifically exclude her. I don't know if, if they could even do that, if even that would be legal. So they could probably put her right back in again. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting. We'll have to keep our eye on that one. But, 
I went to an event last night down in Manchester, New Hampshire. I thought uh, I thought Mickey Ward was going to be there, but it turns out he just showed up for the reunion the night before. And uh, um, his uh, opponent there from uh, a fight years ago that made fight of the year at the Hampton Casino Ballroom, uh, Emmanuel Augustus was in the audience. And actually, oh, yeah. That uh, was a great fight. Buddy of mine, Bob. Bob Trigger actually uh, told me that Emmanuel has been recently, in the last few years, shot in the face at some point. Um, wow. And so he's, yeah, he said, was saying, oh, he's real, real bad. And then he walked by us, and I said, he doesn't look too bad. He got in the ring and everything. I, I haven't heard him talk, but, I mean, he seemed like he's pretty healthy for being shot in the face. Lucky to be alive anyway. And, uh, you know, just very appreciative. Just just have not been assigned yet. Yeah. Um... Mickey Ward actually was at the reunion the night before with Steve Smoger and a bunch of uh, USA boxing people at a bar there in Manchester, but for some reason he wasn't at the actual fights last night. And even though he's supposed to be uh, the coach, that the honorary coach of Team USA, and they won their first two events, one in Springfield, Massachusetts, and one in Boston. They beat uh, Team Ireland. In this one, it was a tie, actually, 4-4, four to four, but... Uh, I'll tell you, you know, Teddy Atlas was going through my head at this fight card because there was a couple girls, well, one girl and uh, one guy, the super heavyweights at the end. We'll go to that first. Richard Torres versus Dean Gardner. Richard Torres is from California, tough, tough, big fighter. Big guy, short, stocky guy, kind of like Sam Peter type heavyweight. And uh, he's a uh, Hispanic guy. And Dean Gardner, who was uh, like the Klitschko type, tall, lanky, long reach, big legs, and uh, just uh, Teddy Atlas went through my head because n nobody that was tall at this fight card was fighting tall. There was two people from Ireland that were really tall, and they got their butts kicked because they didn't know how to use their range properly. They didn't know how to keep distance. They didn't know how to move around the ring. They looked very awkward. And obviously it was like somebody came up to him and said, you're huge, you should box. <laughs> and they didn't give him enough background to help him out. But we're going to be writing yeah, it. You, you have to wonder about their training, uh, where they're training at, right. or something like that to, to have happened. I mean, you, you have to think any good trainer is going to look at the physicality of his fighters before he even gets started. Exactly. And then we had a fight, the third fight of the night was a female fight, Leah Cooper from uh, New York, Ozone Park, New York, young African-American girl there against a girl from Dublin, Aofi Burke, and this girl was one of the tallest girls I've ever seen in a boxing ring from Ireland, and uh, this girl Leah from, from New York just stayed very busy against her. She really did remind me, I actually mentioned to Bob Trigger sitting next to me, the PR guy, that she's using a lot of Rocky Marciano techniques with the crouch. You know, Rocky fought a lot of guys that were very heavy in his day compared to his 184 to 189 pound weigh-in, usually. Uh, so a lot of these guys were taller, too, and he, he had the crouch to his advantage, even though he might not have known it as much as, as it helped him. Uh, they tried to talk him out of using it at the beginning, I believe, because it was just so unorthodox, but it worked for him because, number one, he was able to explode out of it, and, number two, he was able to 
back down into it to avoid punches. And this girl did it so well. She slipped punches well. She used a lot of head movement. And the woman from Ireland just made a great target. And I tell you, the second round, the first 20 seconds of the second round was the Irish girl's best performance because it was like somebody told her she said something about her mother or something. <laughs> she came in that round just going nuts, swinging away, and just gassed herself out, I guess. And by the end of the round, the other girl was in control again. So that was a great fight. And the first female fight of the night was great, too. The girl from Ireland did a fantastic job. Kelly Harrington, you're going to have to look out for her in the Olympics because she is a hot ticket. She uh, beats Stacia Suttles from uh, Bronx, New York, a much taller girl with a bigger, bigger reach. And Kelly Harrington was looking like Floyd Mayweather out there because, you know, I always joke, it's the racist part of the show because I say white guys can't up-jab. But... This girl can up jab, and she was wasn't quite doing the shoulder roll, but she was using such phenomenal head movement and very fast punching to score points and get out of the way, and she never really put her hands up more than once or twice. <clears throat> so, you know, very excellent skill to be able to do that at the amateur level. That's phenomenal, <laughs> and. A lot of other fighters tried to get away with that, but they they were not able to sustain it for the whole fight. They eventually had to go into a defensive mode. But it kind of uh, reminded me of what really boxing is all about. When you go to the the level of the amateurs and you watch these guys that have gone through to the point where they're you know they're ready for Olympic and international competition, uh, it's, it's about one of two things. It's either You've got, uh, you know, smart activity or erratic activity. And a lot of these guys that go in, they think that you just got to stay active to win the fight. But one guy lost because, you know, even though he was the more active fighter, the other guy was throwing the more crisp, harder punches from Ireland. And that turned out to be the difference in the fight, the whole card of, you know, who won the, the day. Because it was four matches to four, four for Ireland, four for the U.S. But if the, that U.S. guy had won, we would have won the whole thing. Not that there's anything big on the line, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting. But it was like, you know, rage as opposed to composed and collected rage. The guys that could get in there and contain themselves and not get too antsy and erratic and excited. And, you know, actually, his very first fight of the night was a novice one. It wasn't even part of the tournament. It was just a couple of local guys from Manchester. And uh, the guy who lost came out balls to the wall, swinging like a guy right off the street trying to prove a point <laughs> at a boxing gym, like the guys I used to fight when they just throw me in and say, hey, you know, teach this guy how to box, basically. And then when it was my turn to punch, they would say, stop. <laughs> but uh, this fight, uh, the guy uh, that was taking the beating just settled in, waited for his opportunity, and then when the other guy got tired, he unloaded on him, and it was the only knockout of the night. He gave the guys the three standing eight counts, and that was it. So, it's a good card all around. We're going to be having a ton of pictures. My, my girlfriend slash photographer took a bunch of awesome pictures, so we've got to go through about 800 of them. <laughs> I, I didn't know she was going to take that many. But uh, we're going to go through them uh, over tonight and tomorrow, and we're going to get a nice piece up about the event because 
I really like to see more publicity for that type of thing. There was a full house. I mean, it was a small arena, but there was probably like two or three hundred people there, between two and three hundred. And uh, it, was, it was a nice night. And even though they said it was going to be another nor'easter, we didn't even get a flake of snow before we left home. Cool. Uh, how did your girlfriend enjoy the fight? Oh, she liked it. She actually got right up on the ringside apron, and I was just getting her the press pass for the photographer thing. I didn't know she was going <laughs> to want to yeah. be one for, yeah, the, for the tour. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of important in a relationship. It's cost me a few of them. First date at ringside, you know, and it was blood went flying. <laughs> you know, oh, she enjoyed the blood. She, she enjoyed the blood, so it was funny. Yeah. She did back up when they got into her corner a couple times, though. So. <laughs> That's all right, though. It's a lot of action shots, really good shots. So we'll go through them all and get them up there. But I like to see more attention paid to that kind of stuff, not only because I used to be a part of it, but just because these guys get so little of it when they're going through these stages. And uh, a lot of them, actually, a lot of these Irish people were Irish champs. That got beat by these U.S. guys, you know. So we've got a talented team coming up too. And uh, I tell you, the Clarissa Shields effect is uh, sweeping the world. Not, not only Clarissa, but Katie Taylor there from Ireland. Uh, obviously inspiring a lot of young women to get out there and box more. Because um, there was some great female fights leading off this card. And uh, we'll get the story up about them probably by the end of the day tomorrow. So I'll be emailing you guys that. And we're probably actually going to try to contact Steve Smoger again to talk about it since he was there. And I uh, would love to get him on a show that's not uh, uh, problematic due to technical difficulties like the last one was. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, he was there and he actually was also at the reunion. So. Um, since I didn't, wasn't able to make it to the night of the reunion there with Mickey and, uh, and um, Emmanuel Augustus, he would be perfect to talk about that and, and the fight itself because he refereed it. So there you go. So we'll work on that. That would be great for next week. And uh, we'll chat then. All right, guys. Hold on. Did you guys um, see my announcement from last week? Which one? You you announce and something got, every day. <laughs> well, then I got selected to be in the new Creed movie. Oh yes, that one. Yeah, I did see that. You got the cast you know about call. That time? No, I, I I didn't see. Yeah, um, I got the um, email on Friday, and they want me on the set two days for quote unquote a huge fight scene. I don't know what that means. Uh, we will hop. I guess find out when I get there. Oh, um, cool. But I will be in the suburb of Philadelphia the two days following Easter, April 2nd and 3rd. It's, like they said, a huge fight scene. Um, and what is funny is a friend of mine. Um, I have a lot of friends um, in local cover bands outside of Philadelphia. My one friend will be actually, him and his wife will be joining me in Florida in a couple days. Uh, I'm flying out tomorrow morning. Um, my other friend is in a country cover band. So they play all the, you know, the country stars now, Kenny Chesney, Luke Bryan, so on and so forth. And I became friends with these guys as well. And the lead singer is a pretty big guy. I'll send you a picture of him next to me. And, I mean, 
he's got to outweigh me by about a good, you know, 60, 70 pounds. And he's got to have me by about a good five, six inches. You know, he would definitely be a heavyweight, right? So um, he sent out a thing on Facebook, like, the day after I did that he got selected, but we're not going to be on set the same day. But he has been um, cast as a quote-unquote Russian thug. <laughs> so he's going to be like someone's so, bodyguard. <laughs> from what I heard, from what I heard, um, the storyline for this movie is um, Adonis Creed is now the light heavyweight champion of the world. Remember, take this all with a grain of salt because this is only from what I've heard. Um, he's light heavyweight champion, and um, the son of Ivan Drago being mentored by his father um, is a 245-pound heavyweight, and I guess he now challenges the um, son of the man that killed his father. Ah, to come up to heavyweight. So, once again, we will we will see. Hmm. Yeah, I watched that, even if you weren't in it. Ha ha. Okay. I'll protest if you aren't. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Let me out of So, do you actually have to read anything uh, for lines? Uh, as I know right now, from what I was told, um, no. I'm just a background guy. Um, but at the same time, um, they did say if you, um, you know, basically are reliable the few days, basically you're just going to, from what I am, is just background, you know. And <clears throat> if I prove to be reliable that I can take direction, basically means sit down, shut up, cheer when we tell you to cheer, boo when we tell you to boo, whatever, whatever, um, that you can be called back. Um, for a larger role at all, you know, a few weeks later. Cool. Well, good luck. Yeah. Break a leg. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I never understood that one. That's what you're supposed to say. Uh, exactly. I'm watching fights on ESPN right now. Nice. Yeah, I was oh, telling right, I was telling Bob yeah. Trigger last week or Saturday, the other night, last night, um, that I just was flipping through the channels one night and I stumbled on ESPN Classic and I had found that Mickey Ward fight. I had not seen that before. And this was only like oh, wow. five or six years ago, I think. Maybe more than that, but yeah, I just stumbled across it and I hadn't heard about it, I hadn't seen it, and I was just totally amazed. I was just like, wow. Just showed me the... Which one was it, Rich? Mickey Ward versus Augustus, Emmanuel Augustus. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a, what a give and take. Wow. And I think they said something about twelve over 1,200 punches for each guy. Yeah, something, something ridiculous. Oh, wow, that's crazy. But anyway, um, good luck to Tony. We'll be keeping an eye on that. And, uh, yes, sir. Keep an eye All out right. for my article. I if you have what my work schedule is over the next um, few weeks. Three weeks of work, counting this week. I am in the office, literally, in my in my remote office, six days. Wow. I am working eight days, eight days out of fifteen. 
I haven't had a day off yet this year until tomorrow. Uh, starting tomorrow, I work four days this week, one of them from home because of the weather. Um, and then I'm off tomorrow. I'm off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I come back to my remote office for my client on Thursday. They're closed on Good Friday. I'm not. So I go to my Center City office on Friday. And then I'm off Monday, Tuesday. I come back to the remote office for Wednesday. And then I'm off Thursday for the Phillies home opener. Nice. So, yeah. It's going to be a crazy few weeks for me. Enjoy that. I'm, I'm up here in Maine for the week. Been walking the dog. Hanging out hey, with Bronson. Hey, that's Getting myself in shape again. <laughs> Keeping him. All right. Well, it's a great show. We'll have, uh, hopefully we'll have Steve Smoger on next week to talk about this event and what else, what else he's been up yeah. to. Yeah. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the Canelo situation and what happens with Floyd. Okay. All right, guys. Lots of good stuff coming up. Let's enjoy it. Yes, sir. All right, gentlemen. Thanks for stopping by. Have a good weekend. Adios. Talk to you guys next week.